You're listening to the Sante Realty Show, a podcast where we help real estate investors who are seeking the latest innovations and best practices to enhance their property investments. We feature interviews with leading industry experts and our team to bring you practical advice and tactics to help you become an even better real estate investor. I am your host and Chief Operating Officer, Anessa York. On this episode, I'm excited to chat with our Managing Director of Portfolio Investments, Wes Machowski. Wes leads our acquisitions and investment teams and coordinates fund equity deployment with the capital markets team. During his career, Wes has participated in 6 million of institutional capital markets transactions across all commercial product types for existing and ground up development investments. Welcome to the podcast, Wes. I'm happy to have you here. Thanks so much. Thrilled to be here and looking forward to a riveting discussion as we talk about not only our business plan, but but obviously the broader market for, for to provide context. Awesome, thank you. Well, on our first episode, Jim actually helped to give our listeners a bit of insight on ground leases. But for our listeners that do not know, can you explain to me what a ground lease is? Sure, it's, it's actually quite simple and we call it here internally sale leaseback financing. So what does that mean? It means that similar to if you're a homeowner and you get a tax bill where there's one value for the land, one value for the improvements, that's what we're doing on commercial product type. We are in technical terms, bifurcating, AKA dividing the valuations and the interests of both. So we come in for developers, existing owners, aspiring owners, and we infuse them with capital and buy the land portion of a real estate transaction. That owner then pays us a monthly payment in the form of a ground lease to use that land to either develop a building or to house a building that currently exists. So, and thank you for that. So one thing you cued in on there is um, not necessarily even changing changing hands of a property itself. It sounds like this would benefit an existing property owner. Absolutely. So, So for existing owners, particularly those who have dealt with the storm of COVID and or changing capital market conditions as it relates to interest rates, a lot of times are struggling to capitalize their in-place deals, meaning they need to do a new renovation to the building because an office building now needs to look different than it did pre-COVID, or they need to pay the re-tenanting costs so that they can backfill a space that a tenant is vacated. There are all kinds of needs for existing building owners And there are not always financing options out there or equity options out there in the market for them to capitalize. That's the gap that we hope to fill in. And that's our niche. Thank you for that. So then I have more questions. So let's say the example of a property owner that it has felt the effects of COVID, um, where are they at in their ownership? Are they you know, this is towards, they've had the asset for a long time. They've only recently acquired it. I mean, where do we bring, where does this bring the most value? It really brings value to people who owned assets prior to COVID starting and those who acquired assets during COVID. So, and I'll tell you why, and that's the good news. For for owners that owned assets prior to COVID, they've felt the most impact. So they've had to work with their retail tenants to give them free rent to get them through a rough time. They've had to work with their in-place tenants in order to right-size them. Depending on the product type, whether it's a multi, if it's a multifamily building, owners have had to put in things like business centers and such to accommodate those users. 
those costs were never contemplated when they originally acquired those assets. Now for the owners who are currently acquiring assets, what we are in is a rising interest rate market as we all know. And we are in a market of tremendous uncertainty in terms of how everything is going to look going forward. What we do is we provide secure capital infusion in the form of sale leaseback financing to get them either over the hurdles they confront or through the tough times ahead. What do you see the state of, of you know, the tough times that are ahead or what will these um, landowners really or these property owners really start to see? And, and when is the time to then really consider bifurcating and getting a land lease or a ground lease on it? Sure, sure. So I'll take it from two sides, the development side. So if you're coming out of the ground with a new development right now, it is very difficult to get the proper financing you need put in place. And there's all kinds of risk with labor shortages and supply cost run-ups. So what people are facing are rising costs of the supplies they need to build it, a limited labor pool, and thereby there creates execution risk. So they're having trouble getting their hands around being comfortable with all the execution risk. We come in, securitize the ground. That takes one less piece of the equation off of the table for them to worry about. On the existing side, where you're going to see the pain start to be felt in the existing ownership side is in their existing debt. So it is no secret that there are funds set up for distress right now. They are waiting to pounce, and there are billions and billions of dollars from institutional investors waiting for these moments where owners can no longer make their debt payments. And that's going to become real in the very near term because we've been able to kick the can through COVID. And I think what we're seeing now is not only in the real estate market, but in the broader economy. And we can touch on these in a bit because I know we will, inflation, et cetera. But there are all kinds of headwinds and tailwinds that are putting people into this situation where there's just unpredictability. And what we do is we provide some certainty and provide some cushion for them to continue to execute their business plan, stay capitalized, not have to turn the keys over to the bank, and thereby not be in a distressed situation by working with us and providing this sale leaseback financing to infuse them with capital to get them through the home. That covers those property owners that are likely in distress. But what about those that actually have done just fine through COVID? Where's the benefit? You know, where's in this shifting economy, what's the reason they would be considering for a ground lease? Sure, sure. And commercial real estate, sort of the, the modicum has always been OPM, they call it. And it's short for other people's money. And so in that, in what, I, what they really mean by that is leveraging up your investment as much as possible. So using outside capital to deploy that into your investments, because why? If you free up additional capital, you can do additional deals. So it's really the net present value of money. It's just like investing in a savings account or a, or a mutual fund or an index fund. The sooner you do it, the sooner your money will grow and because you can allocate it to other places. That's what someone is doing in effect when they sign on with us is they're giving, they're getting money back and not outlaying as much of their own capital so that they can go pursue other top opportunities as well. So one investment may turn into two after they work with us. Okay, so then that being said, um, what does it look like for um, ground lease opportunities for those who aren't already that property owner, right? Where they they want a brand new acquisition. Sure, sure. And the the benefit to them is really, it it becomes the step down basis. So what I mean by that is they're going to, 
let's use round numbers. They're going to buy a building for $100 million. We value the ground component as $30 million of that. They now only need to fund a $70 million acquisition. And they've also taken off all of the risk of having a lower cap rate because by taking on a ground lease, our ground lease funding will be below their cost to do the deal on a whole basis. Fee simple, we call it. So if they did the deal fee simple, they'd be paying not only this amount of dollars, but this cap rate, which will be lower than what it will be after they put the ground lease on. The higher the cap rate, the less you're paying for an asset. So the less they're paying for an asset, the less risk there is, the more assets they can acquire. And ultimately the punchline is at the end of their hold period, when they exit, their returns will be much higher than if they bought it on their own. Yeah, thank you. One of the things I, I had listed to ask you was really about commercial real estate as a whole, kind of ground leases plus, how are they essentially a hedge against the inflation that we're seeing and interest rates that are just spiking? Are they and how are they? Sure, sure. It's it's really more globally, it's really real estate is the hedge. And then we are further hedging it with the ground lease. So it's it's kind of duplicative, not duplicative, it's it's it has a multiplying effect. So originally, let's take real estate, for example. Why is real estate a hedge? Because it can, one, has mechanisms to keep up with inflation, and two, has ways of locking in such that inflation no longer impacts it. So let's start with locking in. Locking in means when they get their debt right now today, they can lock in a current rate, whether it's fixed rate debt or they have variable rate debt that they pay on the swap market to then fix. So your cost of the deal, fixed. The going forward on the revenue side, you can adjust, particularly in different products like multifamily, where let's say you have a one-year lease term with a tenant. If, if expenses go up 5%, you have the opportunity in real time with real estate to increase that by 5% to keep pace. And then you can say that across all the product types. The rents and the leases being signed can be elevated such that they're passed through. What we typically work on are triple net leased assets, whereby the tenants are responsible for paying all of the expenses. So if an owner is locked in at a price and debt, the only variable are the expenses. That's not an issue. That's all passed through to the tenant. So inflation really doesn't impact the investor when it comes to real estate. Furthermore, when we execute a ground lease, what that piece of the tranche of capital becomes is a highly securitized piece, meaning that it's a fixed payment, it's baked into the operating expenses of the building at an appropriate portion against the revenue. And so the security of that payment is very consistent. So investors within our investor pool on the ground lease side are highly protected even further than real estate against inflation because we have fixed escalations to our ground leases and that keep pace with CPI. And we have them sort of flat throughout the whole period such that it is a steady revenue stream that we can project is forecastable and our cost is not going up at all. So inflationary pressures on a ground lease really have no impact. That's great. As we're kind of looking at commercial real estate as a whole, what is the state of the debt markets for commercial real estate, especially today and, and the rising interest rate environment? Sure. And that's a great question. It's really, it's, it's, it's really crystal ball projecting at this point, to be perfectly honest, it's a candid answer. 
I think the real answer is that we all understand that the Fed is going, the Federal Reserve will be raising interest rates in the near term by at least they're forecasting for the rest of the year, another 100 to 200 basis points, one to 2%. So that means that we're in a rising interest rate environment. And what you're finding is that based on the different lenders out there for the debt markets, there are different structures. And so certain groups during certain times become more preferable. And so right now, the most aggressive capital are the debt funds. And that is because that's a tranche of money that a group of investors has put together to allocate as debt, but they're not a bank and they're not commercial mortgage-backed securities and they're not a life company. So their rules are a little bit more flexible. But the other types of lender pools, even when you get down into the agency level with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, who are tied to the federal government, they have their, they, they are constrained a bit. And so they will have to rise their rates nearly in lockstep with the broader market. I think we will see spreads start to compress a little bit, but that's where a ground lease comes into play in that you can, you can finance less of your acquisition overall and we're at a fixed rate throughout your hold period, or it's a rate that is tied to the ground lease payments that you know going into it. So you don't have to crystal ball into what the ground lease payments will be. So as that component of sale lease back financing against other forms of financing, there is that certainty of the ground lease payment schedule going forward to hedge against any risk. Essentially, by splitting um, the risk and really putting uh, a lot more certainty with having a, a ground lease, where is this already common? Obviously, you know, this episode, we're educating on the ground lease, but but where is this already being used and who's already taking advantage of it? Sure, sure. So the, the concept of a ground lease, quite frankly, goes back to the royal family in, in, in London and in the UK. And so they started doing ground leases back then where the royal family owned the ground and they were allocating it to different people to construct businesses, public facilities, et cetera. So ground leases have been around effectively since the beginning of the industrial age. Where you see it the most prevalent in today's market are the major gateway cities. So New York City, Manhattan, I would say roughly half of the buildings in that city on the island of Manhattan are on a ground lease. Major markets like San Francisco, Los Angeles, Washington, D.C., Boston to some degree, these are all old familiar concepts. What you're now starting to see is that the investors pool out there, it, it are there's more frothy appetite for ground leases and the word has kind of gotten out. So what you're now seeing is maybe not these gateway cities that are open to doing it, but tertiary cities. And then also suburban markets, which never in the past would have considered a ground lease now, just because of all the market uncertainty and the security that ground lease provides and the willingness of ground, ground lease buyers to do business in those markets, you're seeing it matriculate out. And a lot of that has to do with what's happened with COVID, right? There's been net migration outside of major cities and net migration into cities that are tertiary. And those are most of the cities and regions that we at Sante target. Thank you for that. But it's not uh, asset type specific, right? I mean, it sounds like it's expanding uh, geographically, but it's also kind of not prejudiced against any type of asset class, it sounds. That's absolutely right. And I should have said that that's correct, that we are looking across product types and the need for ground leases in office is no different than retail, is no different than industrial, is no different than multifamily. 
student housing, senior housing, uh, life sciences, et cetera. It can really be used across any asset type. And we're seeing that appetite increase across all the asset types because there are groups like Asante out there now with real money to spend in those types of product types. Whereas before it was primarily confined to offices and apartment buildings. That's great, thank you. So to our listeners out there um, who, who have existing property, um, who should be immediately reaching out to not just Sante, but to understand this concept better? I mean, who is the most ideal or what characteristics do these landowners, property owners have uh, that would make them the most prime candidate? Sure. I think it's really, it's really everyone. I mean, I don't say that flippantly. It's, it's, it's existing owners that, and this can be people who have held onto an asset for multiple generations and they just want to pull some cash out of it without having a major taxable event like the sale of their building. It can be future owners who want increased leverage and it can be everything in between. And so the, there's no real hindrance to getting into the ground lease market other than having an asset. I would say the threshold is you probably want to have an asset that's worth five to $10 million. And if it is, it should be a ground lease should be something that you should at least consider and run the numbers on because that's what tells the tale is really the numbers. That's great. Thank you. So um, kind of moving on from, you know, uh, what it is, how about in our acquisitions uh, and with the progress we're making with continuing to bring on to our, our current fund, what are the characteristics um, that that are maybe not so proprietary to our, our um, acquisitions process, but what, what are we doing to an evaluate? You know, what are those top key things we're looking for here at Sante? Sure, sure. And, and we spend a lot of time thinking about that. So our investment thesis, one, at a high level, is obviously we believe in ground leases, and we've touched on that. Two, you have to figure out where. And what we've done is we've drilled down across the country, the continental United States, and identified 41 different MSAs, metropolitan statistical areas, that can be a region like the Phoenix metro area or the Los Angeles metro area or the Washington DC metro area. And we've identified these select markets where we see one, opportunities for growth and two, a robust enough investor pool that is looking to expand their portfolio and where their investment markets are active. So we delineate the market. Then further from there, we go down to product type and what we're looking for and the characteristics of the actual investments we make. And those typically will hinge on, are we comfortable with the existing ownership? Are there, is their financial wherewithal and their business plan aligned with something that's sustainable? Because the last thing we wanna do is come in and become a hindrance to them executing their business plan. We wanna be a capital infusion in the form of sell lease back financing so that they can elevate their business plan. So we'll examine that. We'll examine the physical asset itself. There's a lengthy due diligence process that we go through to ensure that the asset is going to continue to produce positive cash flow for our investors, because fundamentally that's what we're most concerned with. And then three, what you're really worried about are the market conditions. That's what you need to layer on next is understanding where that building is, not just within the MSA, but what about that little micro market right around the building, those five blocks around the building, those that two miles around the building and continuing to understand like what's the past performance of that asset and that product type in that market? What's the projected future performance? 
And does that all align such that that growth and trajectory is going to continue and effectively accelerate past what our cost of the ground lease is to the owner, thereby enhancing value to the existing property? That's great. Thank you. Honestly, I, I feel like you've given us a lot. What did I not ask you that our listeners could value or benefit from and find value in regarding ground leases? Yeah, sure. I think I think the thing that scares people a lot about ground leases is the longevity of them. There's a, there's a positive and a negative to that. And so that's the initial reaction sometimes that people have is that the typical ground lease is constricted by U.S. law to be no more than 99 years, And typically, a ground lease is not structured to be anything less than 30 years. What we and our competitive advantage in the marketplace are able to do is provide owners of existing assets and future development projects the ability to, at some future time, buy us out of the ground lease if they ever wanted to. And so that is something to consider when people enter these ground leases, is it can be used as a mechanism of not short term is not quite the right terminology, medium term financing and and to get them over whatever hurdles they need to get to. And if at a future point, they want to own the asset outright, because they've gotten over those hurdles, they can. If it's a developer that wants to come out of the ground and develop a massive multifamily community with a resort and a hotel, etc., and they just need capital to get it out of the ground, They can do that, they can deliver their product, execute their business plan, and then at a later date, they can buy us out of the ground lease if they would like to. So we need that certainty of some medium term cash flow to our investors, because that's what we're providing as an interest rate and an inflation hedge to our investment community. But we can also provide not only a bridge of financing to these other investors that we execute ground leases with, but also the optionality that they don't have with our competitors to be able to buy us out at some future date, depending on what their business plan is for the asset. That's great because I very much have heard those that that is one of the largest objections is, uh, but if things change, uh, I want that option to acquire again. Exactly right, exactly right. And it's mo- more often than not, from my experience, people don't opt out of their ground lease, but to have that flexibility gives them the comfort that they can. Yep, a little bit of certainty. They're they're making a change in their investment plans. That's great. Tell me, how would be the best method for our listeners to contact us if they do have, you know, an investment property that they uh, really want us to analyze and determine if a ground lease is right for them? Yeah, I think quite frankly, the the short answer is reach out to me, and I'm and I'm happy to share my email address and contact info. Um, I think the the comfort behind that is that we have built out a very robust team on the investment side. So we have a a pool of analysts, acquisitions heads, and transaction coordinators. And so when we do get a deal inbound, our rule of thumb is no longer than a week to turn around a response. And we want it to be a firm response with real numbers to show you what we can do. So that's the competitive advantage of having that size of a team behind me. And I shouldn't say behind me because they're really the ones doing the work on the front lines, but they are in fact behind me supporting me. And so all of that would funnel through me, get to our team, we will turn around a response and then we'll be able to once, like I've said, conceptually it's all high level. Once you put it into a simple spreadsheet, it's very easy to walk someone through it. So our goal is to get to that spreadsheet as quickly as possible and have a dialogue rather than it just be, here's an offer, take a look at it. 
So thank you for listening to this episode of the Sante Realty Show. If you enjoyed what you heard today, make sure to like and follow on your preferred channel. And if you know a friend or a colleague who could benefit from hearing this conversation, share it with them as well. For more information or to reach out to Wes to learn about how we can provide a solution for you, please reach out to us at SanteRealty.com. I will see you next time. And Wes, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, It was not only, I think, informative for our listeners, uh, but also really great to chat and, and dive a little bit deeper with you. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Anessa. Thanks so much.